Welcome everybody, this is John Hargrove with AESP and you're back in our Prospectives podcast series again. And I am here today with a good friend of mine from the industry, Mark Henderson. Mark is the Senior Vice President of Business Development for Clear Result and as I said, a longtime friend of mine. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you. You know, you and I have been working together on energy efficiency projects since we both kind of started back in this industry in 2003, 2004. And, uh, when we first started out, we were doing a simple lighting retrofit. You know, it was that pretty simple pedestrian stuff compared to today. What are you looking at this from the thirty thousand foot view? What's changed in the industry since you and I were doing that work? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's actually pretty interesting if you think about it. What we did was a almost hobbyistic, uh, legislatively driven and mandated program in the state of Nevada uh, that was effectively a marketing program. Reach, reaching out to customers, educating them about CFLs, which nobody really knew about in 2003 and 2004, um, and uh, trying to let customers know how they could save energy and reduce their bills. Uh, it's, uh, it's changed significantly since then. I think uh, from my perspective, there are probably three different things that I would say are the most important changes that we've seen. Um, the first is that the targets and the money therein are significantly higher than they were obviously back in 2004. It's obviously also all across the nation in a way that it certainly wasn't back then. Um, but the money has changed a lot of things. Uh, the necessity of data, the necessity of making sure that the energy savings are brought in a way that wasn't quite as intense back then um, has, has really changed the way that we do our business. Um, and it certainly changed the way that we've interacted with utilities. Um, but even more broadly than that, I think that that marketing aspect of programs that we used to do um, really started hitting utilities where in, in their guts. Um, I think the utilities have started to figure out over the years that this is actually the most positive interaction that they can have with their customers. And that when customers are aware of their programs, the customer satisfaction with the utility is significantly higher and that has been really, really good for the utility businesses. Um, so that aspect of it from the utility perspective has become significantly more supportive from a corporate perspective, uh, but also something that utilities are really looking to leverage to engage with their customers and improve their customer satisfaction. So I would say that customer sat is really the second biggest change. And then the third is that at this point, finally, we we're able to prove that energy efficiency and demand response on the demand side management side of our industry can be viewed as a valid resource for utilities. And the focus, instead of on just reducing load altogether throughout the day to time and location services inside energy efficiency and demand response has become a significant part of how utilities manage their operations. So when you merge the demand side management customer engagement aspect with the in the intensity of the need for uh, load management throughout the course of the day and time and location services uh, has been a, a very significant change and is really accelerating here over the last couple of years. You know, it's funny, um, I have to admit this, I had a flashback while you were talking about marketing because you and your team back in, in the day were trying to get my utility you know, in Nevada to do some stuff that was way outside of our comfort zone. So <laughs> I just want you to know that you know the, the little hairs on the back of my neck stood up when you were talking about marketing because <laughs> we were there, we went there and did that and it was, it, was a, it was a scary 
but a fun time. It yeah. was it was terrific to have a company like yours pushing us outside of our comfort zone. It was really neat. <clears throat> what do you think the consulting business changes have been in that time? You know, when, when we did this back in 2004, it's fairly simple. What is it now by comparison? Uh, well, you know, I think that uh, <laughs> thinking back to that marketing aspect of it, I started as part of an extremely small company in a marketing team in that extremely small company. Uh, now, with Clear Result, I'm in a much larger company, a, a much bigger chunk a little of the, bit, yeah. uh, a much bigger chunk of the industry, um, and it's so much more than just the marketing and outreach. Uh, much of that is because the utilities have sometimes been at odds with the regulators over the the payback of the funds for the energy efficiency programs that we've done. Um, sometimes it's just simply because you have so many people taking eyes at it, and you have a lot of advocacy groups who sometimes are opposed to the activities that that are happening in the energy efficiency programs or the demand response programs uh, simply because they, they view it as some sort of a tax. Uh, and working through all of that has become a pretty intense part of what we do. It's, it's incredibly important. Um, in addition to that, I think the, the changes that we're seeing around performance risk, uh, especially around metered energy savings, they start to imply that financing and having significant backing is that much more important for utilities and their choice of uh, implementers with whom to work. And I think that that is something that we have migrated much more from, as we were talking about, kind of a marketing and outreach firm, you know, pretty feel good with, with customers to that being a significant part of what we're doing. And yet there is also incredible importance on technology and there's incredible importance on the financial backing that is required to be successful in programs. Um, so I think the financing is becoming a huge part of what we do and having those options available for customers, but also having those options available for ourselves as, as implementers is uh, uh, it, it's an increasingly important part of what we do. I don't think it's any small coincidence that when you started out, you were with a very small firm and now you're with a very large firm and that this, one of the common threads to your first two answers has been all about money. And money is, it is just simply the scale of the business in which we operate now by comparison to what it was 10, 12, 13, 14 years ago, right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely accurate. The, um, this is a transition that happens in almost every industry. It, it if you're starts, lucky. If you're lucky, exactly. Um, it, it starts with some small pockets. They, there's a, a growth that begins to happen. Things percolate up, and then you start to see a lot of mergers and acquisitions uh, really throughout the industry. Um, that is pretty common. It, it's And certainly our industry has uh, obviously been a part of that, and Clear Result has also been a part of that. Um, I think that it's incredibly important. You know, the the truth is that smaller companies can uh, run into a plateau in their growth if they're not careful or if they don't have the funding behind them in order to continue to satisfy or meet clients' ever-evolving needs. And um, that is serious. And, you know, I think that that's, again, that is true in every other industry as well. And I don't think that this one is, is any different than that. There are a lot of benefits that clients ultimately get out of that kind of consolidation. And I think that, you know, we're an example of one of the implementers who has done quite a bit of mergers and acquisitions over the years. And, you know, the truth is there's a lot of benefit that our clients get out of that. And from, from that consolidation and growth, we're able to keep up with the intensity uh, 
that the regulators are putting on the utilities or that other kinds of scrutiny is uh, being placed on the utilities because we have the the uh, investment capabilities that some of our competitors may not. Well, let me drill down on that, on that a little bit. Clear Result was on a pretty significant growth tear. I mean, that's no secret, right? Everybody was watching grow, you know, Clear Result grow very dramatically over the last, I don't know, decade or so. But you've seemed to have you know, you know, tapered that off a little bit here lately. That goes a little bit counter to what you're saying prior in terms of you know, growth is good, right? It, it's not quite that simple because it seems to me like you kind of have to take a deep breath every once in a while and say, okay, how do we actually make all of these new assets work together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if you look at over the, you know, say the previous seven or eight years at what Clear Result has done with, you know, 15 or 16 pretty significant acquisitions in the industry, uh, that was a phase of merger and acquisition where uh, organizations were beginning to consolidate around two things. One was uh, very specific capabilities, and the other, and maybe more important one in this industry, was actually geographic uh, coverage. Yeah. Um, this is actually an industry where it can be relatively challenging to break into new geographies uh, from the outside. And Clear Result historically chose a path to get international, both Canada and the United States, uh, partly through acquisition in addition to organic growth. Um, <clears throat> recently, as you mentioned, the merger and acquisitions have started to slow down a little bit. I think that what had happened were was that there were a number of significantly sized but still somewhat mid-tier organizations that were ready for that next phase all at the same time. I think some of that is actually just a function of the age of the industry. Yeah. Throughout the, the country, regions popped up at roughly the same time uh, with energy efficiency needs and legislation, etc. And you have regional players who develop companies to respond to those needs. Um, and since that all happened roughly within, say, a five to six year time span, you had companies maturing along the same curve. And so that, that became sort of somewhat available all at the same time. Uh, so it's not really surprising that that all happened in a, in a pretty giant cluster. Um, as far as now, what I will say is that ClearZone is certainly always interested in looking at the investments that make sense to keep pace with our clients' needs. Uh, this industry continues to evolve. You have um, a, an awful lot of differentiated challenges that are happening across different geographies in the uh, both Canada and the United States, and there are a number of different ways that we can keep up with with those needs. You know, certainly internal investment and looking at the things we need to do to build capabilities. But where it makes most sense, we're always going to be positioning ourselves to look at acquisition. Um, all that said, there's also a need to make sure that our clients and our people can benefit from all the acquisitions that we've made. It doesn't yeah, otherwise, do why do it? Precisely. It doesn't do us any good to acquire a company in one region and not apply the best practices that that company has across the entire company. Right. And so occasionally we need to take a breath, as you mentioned, as you said, and make sure that we are setting ourselves up for success. Uh, and the strength of a large company should be that we are able to apply local solutions, leveraging corporate-wide or industry-wide best practices. And 
we need to make sure that we are structured in order to accomplish that, make sure that we're resourced in order to accomplish that, and make sure that we have the systems in place that will allow for those best practices to be exchanged and connected to each utility within the entire market. Um, and so we've been certainly focusing on a lot of that in, in the last couple of years, making sure that we have those systems in place, making sure that we have the structure that really supports that. Um, the localized nature of the utility business is never going to go away. It's incredibly important that we understand local customer bases. It's incredibly important that we understand local regulatory, um, the local regulatory environment. Uh, but it is also true that there are a lot of things that we do throughout the company that can be applied elsewhere as well that can really start to spur innovation for each of those individual geographies. And we need to make sure that we have the system in place that allows for that. Um, taking advantage of the tremendous amount of talent that we have with 2,700 people, for example. Um, and I just feel like we're uh, making sure that we can do that. So Mark, I wanna, actually I wanna back up and push on something here. There's an economic development component to these types of programs, right? You're hiring, or people are hired to run programs in a geographic region. If you if you go to work for a utility, you're going to come in and do work for them, and you might find local people to help you with your work. Talk about how a big company like Clear Result and others, how do you work on that local front to not only do the economic development component, but actually to, to tie yourselves to those communities? <laughs> It's interesting you ask that. So yes, absolutely. I think that the truth is that virtually no utility program can survive without that local element uh, being a part of it. And, and each and every program is an opportunity to develop an economy. Um, that is certainly true with the hiring that we make inside any program that we, that we are fortunate enough to run for one of our clients where um, when we launch up a program, we have to look for local program managers, local field resources, uh, local people to train trade allies. Um, and, you know, that that becomes a pretty significant economic development indicator for, for that region. You know, I'll also say that these programs provide significant economic development for the trade allies themselves, or the participants in the programs benefit economically tremendously from these programs. So th there's actually a ripple effect. Um, but you know ourselves, probably any implementer would go into uh, a program that we're running and hire locally. Um, the trick, of course, is making sure that that local network that you're going to be hiring is supported by something that goes across your company, so that you can make sure that the systems are in place for them to be successful. Um, and you know, again, I think that's what we're really working on is making sure that we have that balance right. Uh, but the the need for local capacity to run these programs, it's significant and is not going to go away. And I don't think we want it to go away. This all sounds like a study in integration. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're integrating new companies, you're integrating new uh, outward pressures, whether they're regulatory or legislative or whatever it is, and then you're integrating local workforce and, you know, trade allies and all that. That's what you're doing. I mean, that's what, you're, that's what this whole business is about, is bringing all these different things together and making it work, right? Yeah, that's right. In a way, it's like uh, um, the IT term systems aggregator. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're, you're putting together a lot of different components to make sure that something really hums for your clients and for their customers inside any local geography. I like it. 
You know, you're a pretty smart guy, so I'm going to ask you two questions at one time and just see how you do, right? We're going to check and <laughs> check you and see how you hold up. What are some of the geographic regions around the country that are sort of interesting to you right now to, to clear result and to you particularly, mm -hmm. Mark? I mean, you're paying attention to this stuff on the business development side. And how does clear result try and affect policy? So what's the cool stuff that's out there and how are you trying to move it? Uh, those are both the, both those questions are challenging to answer. Uh, as far as regions that are most interesting, uh, it's kind of a cop-out answer. I'm not sure there is one that is more interesting. Uh, they are all interesting in some very unique ways. Yeah, you're right. Um, that said, when you look at California, uh, which obviously there's a pretty major interruption with one of uh, the largest utilities there. Um, but then there's also a, a movement toward the community choice aggregation where, you know, there are some estimates that suggest that more than 80% of California customers are actually going to be part of a CCA instead of directly working with their utility. Uh, that is a significant shift in the way that customers are interacting with their energy use. Um, so that's one that I think is, is phenomenally interesting. Um, obviously, California also has uh, a lot of money, uh, a, a very significant economy there. And so there's always going to be interest and intrigue around that. Um, I look at, you know, we're sitting in your office in Phoenix, and I look at what's happened in Arizona and throughout the Southwest uh, with regard to solar and the impacts that solar has had on the curve, uh, you know, just right here in Arizona. Uh, utilities are faced with peak is just completely inverted. Uh, the duck curve is a very real thing, and and so energy efficiency in the old way that it was that it was done doesn't have that much impact for them. In fact, it, there are some pretty detrimental benefit um, impacts on their on their load, and so that is where time of day matters so much for those utilities, because otherwise they're faced with a massive peak at a very strange time of day, right. and they're, they're faced with a trough uh, in the middle of afternoon. So if you can try to figure out how to how to balance that, I think that's a, a problem right now pretty unique to the Southwest, but uh, you know I would see that advancing um, and continuing to advance. Um, then I look at clusters where there are big cities, and we've seen this in New York first, but I, I think that you're gonna see it in Boston, you're gonna see it in Chicago, San Francisco, um, non-wires alternatives, non-pipes alternatives, where demand-side management, whether it's energy efficiency or demand response or some other way to manage demand throughout the day, um, actually becomes a resource and something that uh, they can use to defer maintenance or defer uh, additional infrastructure um, that is going to be really significant for for utilities as a business, uh, that really switches what we've done. So it, in a lot of ways, I think that the work that we did, say in the early 2000s and mid-2000s around just educating consumers about energy efficiency was really setting the foundation for how utilities need to manage their grid in the future and how customers need to interact with utilities in the future. Um, so I look at those three as all somewhat the same animal a little bit, but um, but trends to watch. Uh, you asked a question about how we work on the regulatory. Um, it's very interesting to be an implementer in yep. this industry because- That's why I asked uh, you the question. <laughs> we certainly, we certainly uh, appreciate those environments where uh, energy efficiency or demand response or electric vehicles or, or any other number of uh, interesting technologies are 
um, part of a strategy and support it through the regulatory environment. Uh, and we like to see utilities be able to benefit from their work on programs of, those, of that nature. Uh, <clears throat> that said, our job is to help utilities navigate whichever regulatory environment they're in. And working on behalf of the utilities, we're very, very careful about you know, trying to maneuver and get into some sort of regulatory ruling or legislative ruling. Um, so we tend to stay away from that, frankly. Uh, our job is to understand it, to advise our utility clients on what we think they can do in response to it, and to take uh, to let the utilities take the lead on how we're going to engage with that almost always commission um, as far as how the rulings go. Uh, so if we're seen as advocates, I think that's a, a challenging place for us so, since, since we really need to make sure that we're working with utilities to make whatever regulatory environment they're in safe for them. Um, and, and that's the tack that we've taken. I, I think we're, uh, you know, sort of walking razor's edge a little bit sometimes on that. But yeah, you uh, have to. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I, I think that that's really important for us as implementers. Um, you know, certainly there are advocacy groups on either side of these debates who have a lot more vested interest in a particular mindset. Our job is to be there for utilities, whatever their regulatory environment is. All right, every interview has a softball question, so here it comes. You ready? How much of the business development you work, the business development work that you do is personal? <laughs> uh, business development is personal, just period. Um, I think that the importance of being good at business development comes from how well you can manage relationships and provide real value in response to those relationships. So it's not just you know buying lunch or whatever with, with clients and just having a good time. You, you have to be out there providing very real value in the interactions and exchanges that you have with, with the clients. Um, there's a reason that business development people are road warriors. There's a need to engage with your client on a pretty consistent basis. You can read emails, you can have phone calls, you can do your research um, online, but you really don't understand the impacts until you're sitting across the table with a client. And understanding and beginning to infer the implications of different changes that are happening through those interactions is the only way that we can provide the best solutions that we can. Okay, so now I'm gonna ask you sort of the second part of that question. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever been given? Accept challenges. People throw challenges your way. Don't blink. Look at them squarely. Figure out a good solution and be humble about your solution. Much like you being here on the Prospectives podcast. Huh? <laughs> I'm trying not good to man. say that. Good man. I like the answer. <laughs> What do you think the industry looks like over the next five to ten years? You know, the last five to ten has been extraordinary. What do you think is coming? I think that we are going to be experiencing significantly more pressure on metered savings. Uh, I think that we are looking at greater performance risk inside the programs that we run. That all comes because the importance of what we do 
is going to be shifted from regulatory response to what utilities need to do to be prepared for what they have to do to manage their load and manage their grid. So, for example, a non-wires alternatives types of program that defers maintenance or eliminates the need for infrastructure investment altogether only works when utilities can count on the work that we do as a resource. They are going to be feel much more secure about that if there is a way to measure that with meter savings or measure the meter savings um, and if there is a risk shifting onto the market. So I think that that is going to be a significant change that we see over the next few years. If I were also looking at it, I think that the growth and importance of electrification is going to be a significant part of what we do as well. Huge. Managing load is not just reducing it, it's also creating opportunities, especially for electric utilities. And the shift from gasoline combustion engines to electric engines in both fleet and residential vehicles is going to be significant. The important thing that we are going to be able to do as implementers and things that we need to look at is making sure that the communication and the work with utility customers allows for that growth to happen in a way that doesn't damage the grid. And so that goes right back to time and location services that we can provide for utilities. I, I think that utilities are going to be much more interested in, can you help me in this specific neighborhood at this time of day, either to get customers to plug their vehicles in at that time of day or to not turn on their AC at a different time of day. So I think that that's going to be a, a big part of what we do in the next few years. What uh, piece of advice do you give the latest ClearZult employee, you know, the last guy in the door, the last lady in the door? What piece of advice does Mark Henderson give them? Uh, that's a good question. I've, uh, I've been very lucky, very fortunate in this industry. I, I came into it at the right time, had some opportunities put upon me, was able to walk through some of the doors that got open for me. And that was uh, uh, extremely rewarding for both me personally, but also it's, it's, been, it's been a really fun ride. Um, I think that if I were talking to somebody coming in to ClearZol right now, I would say flexibility is key. I, I don't think that anybody can truly predict the thing that they think that they are doing in their job when they walk in the door for the first time and the thing they will end up being really good at and loving. Boy, ain't that the truth. Not going to be the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think also one of the most important things that I would suggest is that, especially for managers, the focus on developing people uh, cannot be overstated. When I look at it, came into a company that was doing something that I thought was pretty cool. And it was really fun to find opportunities doing something that I thought was pretty cool. As I now reflect on 15 years in the industry, what has meant the most to me is that we can have a positive impact. We've done well by doing good, if you will. But the most important part of that has been the work that I've been able to do with colleagues and peers to help them develop and to watch their success. 
and the impact that we can have on our own individual companies, on the industry as a whole, on the environment, is significantly greater when we can work to develop our people, whether that's training, coaching, mentoring, being really good managers, uh, and, and even mentoring people who are new to your company or the industry who don't directly report to you or, or maybe aren't necessarily going to have a, a direct benefit for you. Just having that out there as a, as a thing that you do, developing people, is probably the most rewarding thing that you can do. I couldn't have said it better myself. Mark, thanks for taking the time uh, to spend with us today. I really appreciate it. And it's been great connecting with you again. Thanks, Sean. Great to see you.